Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kiwi and BP. Hello. Hi. Today we're playing Root, designed by Cole Worley of Pax Pamir, Oath Chronicles of the Empire and Exile, developed by Joshua Yearsley of Oath Chronicles of Empire and Exile. The artist is Kyle Farron of Oath Chronicles and <laughs> of Empire and Exile, Fort and vast. Uh, it's published in 2018 by Leader Games. The description is, the nefarious Marquis de Cat has seized a great woodland, intent on harvesting its riches. Under her rule, the many creatures of the forest have banded together. This alliance will seek to strengthen its resources and subvert the rule of cats. In this effort, the alliance may enlist the help of wandering vagabonds who are able to move through the more dangerous woodland paths. Though some may sympathize with the alliance's hopes and dreams, these wanderers are old enough to remember the great birds of prey who once controlled the woods. Meanwhile, at the edge of the region, the proud squabbling uh, Eerie have found a new commander who they hope will lead their faction to resume their ancient birthright. The stage is set for contests that will decide the fate of the Great Woodland. It's up to the players to decide which group will ultimately take root. Get it? They... The name of the mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah I get it mm-hmm. yeah the mechanics are action cue action retrieval area majority influence area movement dice rolling hand management point to point movement race variable player powers and variable setup and the box art is uh, a very cartoon colorful uh, picture of a mouse a robin a cat and a Cardinal. raccoon. Cardinal. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a yeah, cardinal. Yeah. Yeah, and it's definitely the you know when you go back Something's and you look at the fire. artist, it's oh, yeah. the same artist that did uh, Fort, and you can definitely tell uh, it's a very yeah. similar art to yeah, Fort, definitely. which I like. I liked that art too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's on fire, if that's an orangish tree, but it's. I think it's an orangish tree designed to evoke the idea of fire because the woodland, in spirit, is burning with the war. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. A good li- a good a game of woodland might and, and right. right. Yeah. And fire. Eh. And Yeah, fire. and I mean like the lettering and everything is kind of like medieval. Yeah, yeah. medieval manuscript ask. Yeah, I feel like those like the root letters are what you would find on like that initial page when they have mm-hmm. the the one big starting character and that then has like all the illustration. Yeah. yeah. Would you pick uh, it up off a shelf? Pick it up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> lost in thought googling birds BP would you pick it up uh, it's cute I didn't answer the question sure okay I mean I don't know what was the I mean the descriptions I mean the description is cute as well like come on the Marquise de cats and then you get to you get to thwart cats I mean who doesn't want to thwart cats my dog wants to thwart the cats every day. Um, I'm trying to look at the the mechanics. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's all yeah. the mechanics. Um, yeah, it's all the mechanics. A lot of them, yeah. yeah, I'm picking it up. Okay. Yep. Okay, Eric. Um, I'll say yes. I don't. If I just saw the box, the art is cool, but I, it's one of those weird ones of like I know it's like a kind of a, a war game, but the art doesn't really give that vibe. I don't know. It, the art kind of always threw me off on this game. I like the art style, but just for what I know about the game, you know, I've I've heard it's a really good game. We don't tend to like sort of the the um, map mini warfare games. 
based on what we've played, but uh, I heard we've heard this is a good one, so I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, I would also pick it up. We I think this has been on our list of things to play for a very long time, and because of the variable player powers, I have avoided it uh, because mm. like this. And I think we've mentioned it in other podcasts, like the idea of teaching this game mm. has all that's been my like why it hasn't gotten to our table earlier yep. table in the, the virtual table sense. Uh, and I finally decided that I was going to stop being uh, a baby about it and just get it done because I wanted to play it. We're going to give okay. you an extra hard time. Yep, I know you are. You big baby. Yeah, you big, you big baby. All right, uh, BP, how do we think it's played? Area majority. You said something about like war map thing. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, in the, in the, you know, description, basically, we know Marquis de Cat, so the cats, right, down are, with the cats. are doing a great, uh, you know, empire building seas of the Great Woodland. Uh, right. There's vagabonds moving around. Uh, there's an alliance vagabonds. trying to maybe like a resistance movement because it says subvert the cats. You know, the rebellion. Yeah. So we got a good alliance, a rebellion going on. And then something mm-hmm. about the Irie who used uh-huh. squabbling to own, birds. Squabbling birds used to uh, to own the woods. Yeah. So we're all going to be different animals. Yes. Right. So you're going to have your. And then we're going to, so are we fighting each other or we, is it, but it doesn't say cooperative. So I guess we're also fighting each other. Yeah. I mean, area, area majority influence tends to be like a pretty. So we're going to, yeah. So we're going to have like, obviously our little armies where we're going to claim spots. There's going to be a nice map of the woodland with a bunch of areas Uh Mm -hmm. that we're trying to control. Point to point movement, meaning that's how we're going to move around that, that area. Picking like tile to tile. Hex to hex kind of thing. And our, our variable. Race? Hold on. What's the race? I mean, we're racing to control okay. the area. Okay. I thought there was maybe just a, a side marathon going on around the map. <laughs> maybe that's that's the bird faction does. They do a turkey trot around and then. <laughs> so the dice rolling is probably going to tell us if we can uh, attack or not. And yeah, our yeah. outcomes. Yeah. Yeah, our outcomes uh, on attacking the nefarious cat. And obviously our variable player powers are what allow us, uh, right? Because obviously the birds are going to be able to go into different areas that say like a, you know, a mouse is not going to be able to. Oh, yeah, like the air. Well, the tops well, of the trees versus the bottom of the okay, trees. That's yeah, fair. and res- like rescue rangers had planes and they were squirrels. So you're picturing a 3D map. With the the birds in the top of the trees, the mice at the bottom, the cats chopping down the trees, and then a oh, raccoon. Yeah. The raccoon just seems pretty chill over there. Chill slash will stab you with a dagger. Yeah, he, he looks very stabby, but he's going to be happy about it. Yeah, we got it. We got it. We're good to go. All right. Well, the history of the Marquis de Cat. Yeah, Marquis de cats roots so uh roots and root vegetables are on everybody's mind these days right uh huh uh one of the ones i think of often is a yam Okay, yams are very important in history. And by the way, I bring this up is because we're going into this holiday season and everybody's thinking about 
potatoes. Uh, but in the U.S., there are lots of potatoes that are called yams. But they're not yams, they're potatoes. And it's very important to make that distinction because they are very different tubers. Uh, yams, in fact, are a Eastern hemispheric food that originated in the Eastern hemisphere uh, and have a lot of historical cultural significance in um, certain places in Asia as well as Africa. And in fact, many believe that they migrated along with some of the uh, Southeast Asian Islanders who migrated, gosh, uh, almost even before 600 of the Common Era to East Africa uh, and Madagascar, where they brought with them yams and uh, the banana. Either way, uh, the yam is very um, significant, as I mentioned, right, in both Asia and Africa. And in fact, especially in West Africa, uh, the cultivating of yams and the management of yams was also part of social uh, hierarchy in many West African societies. Um, they are very, very different uh, from potatoes. And of course, potatoes, which now are pretty globally known and grown, would not have made it to the Eastern Hemisphere until obviously post-1500 post or so. And uh, in fact, many Europeans did not really take on to the whole potato uh, for a couple uh, decades at the very least. Um, but the yam has, uh, at least for Eastern Hemispheric peoples, been a huge part, like I said, of uh, culture and diet. There's been um, art featuring yam. There's been stories uh, around the yam, but they're just, they're so very different than the potato. They have like this exterior that is more bark-like, uh, but they are also just as diverse as the potato. Most uh, U.S. Uh, grocery markets probably only sell like half a dozen versions of a potato. And the potato has, uh, speaking of, a, you know, kind of a similar tuber, uh, has been significant in American societies historically. Um, gosh, probably as early as the cultivation of maize as well. So around uh, 2500 BCE and, of course, is still grown very diversely in the Andes uh, and is a huge part of uh, especially Peruvian um, native cuisine, but also just in general, right, the Americas have taken on uh, with the potato. So that's like my brief history because I thought of root. I thought of root vegetables and then I realized that uh, I ended up talking about tubers. But I think that whole misnomer of the yam and the potato is just super fascinating, especially when you think about how uh, impactful. Gosh, and yams, I mean, that yams are in societies, uh, especially in some of these East Hemispheric societies, and then how like huge they can be. They can be like upwards of like a foot, a foot and a half in length. They're huge. So this morning I told BP uh, what the name of the game was. And I was like, I'm going to read you the description so that you know what the game is about when you think about your history. And I was like, Root. And she was like, oh, yams. And I was like, I'm going to read you the description as anyway, but just keep yams in mind. Because I think Eric might appreciate talking about yams. When you consider warfare, food is an important part. Yeah. It, it very much is. 
All right. Well, are you guys ready for the teach? I know at some point I really want to try a real yam. <laughs> okay. That's not going to happen right now, but we can write it down and okay. add it to a list of things to do. Okay. Okay. Great. So uh, who gets to be the raccoon? Uh, yeah, I'll, okay. okay. Uh, in route, we play as one of four factions, each scoring victory points in their own way. The invading Marquis de Cat wishes to exploit the woodland using its vast resources to fuel her economic and military machines. She scores by constructing buildings in the woodland. The proud Erie dynasties wish to reclaim the glory of their once great aristocracy and retake the woodland from the marquee. They score each turn by building and protecting roosts in the woodland. The upstart Woodland Alliance wish to unite the creatures of the forest and rise up against their oppressors. They score by spreading sympathy for their cause across the woodland. And the wily vagabond wishes to gain fame or infamy in the midst of his brewing in the midst of this brewing conflict. He scores by completing quests for the creatures of the woodland and by aiding and harming the other factions. Uh, players win by either scoring 30 victory points or by playing and completing a dominance card. For a three-player game, it does say that we remove the Vagabond. Uh-huh. So we'll be playing the Marquis de Cat, the Erie Dynasties, and the Woodland Alliance. This is also play order. So uh, I was thinking I would be the Woodland Alliance because they're green. Okay. Uh, the Erie Dynasties. <laughs> I love that you just pick it on the yeah, color. The Erie Dynasties are blue. Oh. So I thought uh, the BP I Plus, do, you do love I birds. I do love birds. And uh, when, I w- when I think about uh, anthropomorphic feline uh, uh, dictatorships you bent think of on Eric? the subjugation of the woodlands, <laughs> you think uh, of I Eric? think of Eric. Okay. So, uh, but also they're orange. And so I feel like the colors uh, work out Eric's for everybody. orange. No, no, no. Okay. I have Eric, I usually in games with orange, if there's not purple, he usually picks I usually orange. just pick the off color from you, too. I I would be the Vagabond. Cause well, yeah. Yes. Oh, I, I you would, would, I would yes. Be the, yeah. yes. My you Wi-Fi is literally called Vagabond. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we take the, the Vagabond out. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking. We can play differently if we want no, to. No, I'm down with it. I will, yeah, have all, all right. of my woodland birds ready. Yeah, so Eric will go first uh, each round, and then BP, and then I will go last. Uh, so that's the play order. Okay. So a player's turn is made up of three phases, and each phase plays out differently for each faction. The phases are called birdsong, daylight, and evening. Hmm. Um, and now for something completely different. Uh, so... We're not going to go over what each one does, okay? Uh, just because I feel like it would take a lot of time, and I don't think it works well for our learning, okay? So I'm just going to go over the things that are common for everybody, okay? Okay, so uh, the map is made up of paths, clearings, and forests. Generally, you can move from one clearing to another along a path, and in order to do this, you must own the clearings on each end of the path. In order to own a clearing, you must have the most warriors and or buildings on that clearing. Uh, some actions require you to spend cards and each player has a hand of these cards that come from a shared deck there are four suits within it uh, the fox the rabbit the mouse and the bird and each of the clearings has a corresponding uh, icon for one of those suits and bird cards or for one of the three suits fox rabbit and mouse bird cards are considered wild unless whatever you're trying to do specifically calls for a bird card um Cards can also be used for crafting to gain their effect instead. So first you must activate the crafting pieces indicated on the card. The Marquis crafts with workshops, the Erie crafts with roosts, 
and the Alliance crafts with sympathy. And if we have the Vagabond, they craft with hammers and crafting cards uh, will also grant victory points. Uh, you can battle another player in a clearing where you have warriors and the other player has any pieces. The defender can play an ambush card if it matches the suit of the clearing. If the attacker cannot play a matching ambush card, then they take two hits immediately. Otherwise, the ambush is not successful. Uh, we roll the two dice. Whatever the highest roll is, that's the number of hits the attacker does. Whatever the lowest number do, uh, is, that's what the defender does. And you can never do more hits than you have warriors. So if you roll a three, but you only have two warriors, then you only do two hits, not three. Okay. Uh, and if you ever get down, so you remove warriors first, and then if you ever start removing your opponent's buildings or other tokens, then you gain victory points every time you do that. Uh, finally, dominance cards. So there's four in the deck, one for each suit. If you discard one or spend it for its suit, we're going to put it next to the board instead of the discard pile. And then another player has the opportunity to pick it up. Uh, they can spend one of their cards to, and they have to spend one of their cards to pick it up. And then if they have at least 10 victory points, they can play the dominance card in their faction area to activate it. And what it does is, is it replaces your in-game goal. So instead of the goals that we read out before, you have to get the victory, the goal from the dominance card. So the two ways to win are complete one of those dominance cards or get 30 victory points. First one to do one of those things is the winner. And as a result, there are no tiebreakers. Let's play. We just finished a game of Root. To recap, uh, I, as the Makita Cat, wanted to control three Fox Clearings for Dominance, and I had two with, uh, I think it was around 15 VP. That didn't really count since I played a Dominance card. VP, one with the, is it Eerie or Irie? Eerie? I feel like you could Airy. go with, yeah. I'd always right. heard it Eerie. Yeah. The Eerie Dynasty with 16 points and four Roost. And Kiwi won with the Woodland Alliance with 31 points with an asterisk. And for once, yeah. it's a legitimate <laughs> when I claim he won with an asterisk. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. And with very heavy air quotes around one. Because I did notice that you said BP won with. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> so it was very fitting. I, th I thought you were going to go a different route with the scoring. Nope, I didn't um, even pay attention. Yep, she nope, she I, just, I, this is woo! the thing. BP said she won so many times in the last few minutes. I just accepted it as reality. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, no, it was it was it was it was great. Um, I guess strategy. I guess we'll all break down our strategy. Um, as the cat, like it's It's kind of weird because you start out overextended, and so like you kind of got to pick what you're going to try to hold. And I think I still tried to hold too much. I don't know. I was trying to build stuff. I tried crafting, but then crafting seemed like it didn't do a lot. And then I had to constantly just build armies to try to hold stuff. So I thought I was going to do more. Like when you read the back of my card, it's like, make sure you're building stuff and expanding. But then it like the whole second half of the game, I was just trying to hold on to what I had. So um, I, I guess survival mode was my strategy. <laughs> uh, and then losing a whole lot of wars. BP, your strategy? Uh, was okay. So I feel like it was 
very battle at the beginning. So I had the ability as right the birds to be able to choose leaders. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like just like with birds, right? You see them constantly fighting in trees and in the air. I mean, yeah, crows are pretty funny, but um the so no leader until I got to the despot, which I guess kind of makes sense, made it longer than two rounds because uh, I could only place cards in my decree, which then I had to be able to do every single action. Um, so I, I felt like the, the variable I know we're, we'll get to the mechanics, but like so I was very kind of stuck into right these certain set actions when it came to my turn. And I went like pretty battle heavy, you know, at the beginning. And um, it, I, I don't know, like, I just feel like in that kind of mode, I, uh, I, I won a lot of the battles, but then I, I wasn't building as much so I couldn't hold the spots or I'd take an over in her place, but then couldn't build the spot. And then it was a new leader and I had to start all over. So I don't know, it was kind of complicated to build until I got to my builder leader. And then I was really expanding. And I feel like at that point, I had really started to set my up to myself up to really expand my empire. Cause I feel like once you have a despot, right. Leading your troops, you have a, yeah, you have an empire going. Um, so yeah. Uh, I feel like I was just getting into the groove of it when it ended. And I was really far behind everybody for a very long time, I think, because I went so battle heavy at the beginning. Well, I think you have to, because I think you got to expand a bit before you can do the other thing. Like yeah, I, I could get early points because I could build, but then it got harder for me to get points later because I had less spots to build on. Yeah, I feel like the era, you definitely have to like spread out fast get roosts out there because mm -hmm. those roosts are going to give you points yeah. every time yeah um, and then switch to like a more defensive or build yeah more leader. defensive yep and for me like i just tried to spread sympathy around and i was going to go for uh like construction like trying to build as mm -hmm. many crafting things as i could because that's where i could get a lot of victory points because I didn't have a lot of warriors. It's mm. so like all of my battles, I was defensive for all of them. One, the Woodland Alliance is better in defense since they get the higher die. Um, but I also just didn't have a lot of warriors. So I mostly used my warriors to do the, uh, what was the action that I called? Organize, which mm -hmm. let me turn a warrior into sympathy, which is good because the further you get up the sympathy track, the more it costs you in cards to gain sympathy. So doing that organized action lets mm -hmm. you kind of skip over that not having to pay as many cards to get sympathy. You just remove that warrior. So uh, that was kind of my goal was to build. And then, so theme. Did you feel about Did I feel woodland like birds? forests? And, uh, yeah, birds taking over a forest? Yeah, I don't know about that. I I do feel like we were definitely three different factions all trying to do... We were all trying to get to a similar goal, right. but we all had different capabilities of getting there. So I did feel like we were three different, you know, a lot of like dude, you know, dudes on a map, models on a map mm -hmm. fighting. Everybody kind of has the same powers. You all start in a location you try to control as much. Um, I felt in this, like, at least like the Marquis de Cat, I felt like fit what they were like thematically yeah. what the cat was supposed to be. I feel the, like the birds too. Yeah, the birds too. Like I, I felt like, you know, cause it was supposed to be this aristocratic, like mm -hmm. 
I yeah. felt like with the cool, set, cool, like, yeah. yeah, you're, you know, these are what you can do every time. Like it felt like it thematically fit like, with. Yeah. I don't, it didn't really need to be animals, but I guess animals sure. is just more fun, more whimsical. Yeah. I guess. It's cute. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the factions each played like distinct factions and what they were supposed to be like. So I think they kind of nailed it there. Uh, table presence, I, I think is obviously pr- pretty good, right? Uh, the mm-hmm. map looks cool. All the yeah. art. It, from the box art kind of carries through to all like the cards and player mats and stuff like that. Yeah. The cards were super cute. Um, and they seemed pretty clear. I loved all the, um, the play on words for the different types. Like, uh, I forget. There was one about like, you had it at one point too. Like you could, uh, something with the mice like they in, in all the cards like it, the mice the rabbits and the foxes all seem to do like their actions also matched right who they oh, okay. were so like that table presence and art and theme really brought in like if you look at all the fox cards like all their actions on the bottom like if you were doing the bottom actions are all kind of uh tricky things like you've got tax collector or like you can take things from people um we yeah, the favor of the mice whereas like both like the bunnies were kind of the builders you know uh the mice were uh decoders at one point i had like mice that could decode things um so i don't know those were i mean it was definitely really cute yeah Mm -hmm. i think uh yeah the little meeples for each of them not only are they the color respective to that faction but they also had their own individual shapes too so i feel like even with you know for those who might be colorblind, the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, the Woodland Alliance was green, but also very clearly looked like a mouse. And then the character art was a mouse. Mm-hmm. I think definitely helped. It was interesting. I think that would add a little bit to the table presence. Yeah. And I think for because there's a lot of key iconography in the game. I think it stands out pretty well, despite having a lot going on. Like it was pretty, mm-hmm. When you knew what to look for, it was pretty easy to stand out and know what to do. Yeah, and this, we played on the base map, so we were talking about art and maps. The, mm-hmm. With the expansions, I think there's like three or four others. There's one with like a giant lake in the middle. Mm-hmm. There's one in the mountains. There's uh, this particular board, if you flip it over, has a winter map mm-hmm. that changes up some of the routings and has some additional like um, uh, variable setup that can kind of mm-hmm. change the game a little bit too. That was one of the mechanics. Yeah. Speaking of mechanics... So uh, what do you think of the mechanics, Kiwi? Uh, I thought some of them were very like the idea behind the supporters, I thought was very interesting where you had to like kind of collect them, uh, you know, folks moving through the area with support kind of created more support, which I felt thematically fit with what the Woodland Alliance was supposed to be. Um, I thought BP's mechanic with the decrees was super interesting because it, it made you. Yeah, it made you like plan out what you were going to do. So there was a little bit of, it says action cue, but I, I would say almost a, a little bit of programming. Mm-hmm, I felt like mm-hmm. it kind of tripped her up in the beginning a little bit, like as, but I, I felt like as she got used to it, she kind of was able to plan a little bit more. Uh, and I, I think like at the beginning, I'm not sure 
Like, I, I think if she played it again, I don't know if you would pick a battle one. Right, right. At the, right. At the beginning, maybe I'd go the build or the move and build, I think, was the yeah. builder. And I, then I, the despot was. Yeah, I felt like you went more off of like, oh, I'm charismatic. I'll pick the charismatic yeah. one, you know, <laughs> not not realizing like, oh, what that was going to mean in yeah, terms of action. Yeah. But yeah, no, I feel like. I feel like with the mechanics, they all like, so we had said at the beginning, there was a lot of them at the beginning, but yeah, we all had to manage our hands, right? Like you can only have five cards at a time. I know, right. And the variable player powers, I feel like we've already really brought up, right? Like we each had our own way of playing. So it was definitely very diverse, right? In that sense, which also brings in that hand management, which also brings in how do you control, right? The areas, how do you in like, cause Kiwi could influence areas without necessarily right controlling them. Um, so I think, you know, it has a lot of variability, huh, get it? Very oh, cool. I got it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I feel like they, they all worked as Kiwi was saying, right? They all really worked together, even with that theme and the table presence. Like those, those, the, those three categories that we have broken apart, I feel like we're really connected in this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, like every, they're all so different. Like every faction has its own mechanic. Like mine was a lot more of a straightforward empire building style game um so but it was interesting when all the other pieces came in because like uh, kiwi started doing his crazy stuff and i had to figure out what that was like at first i was like bp had like a big army on my border and i was like oh god and she's gonna like just roll through me and then like she had a revolt and stuff and i was like okay well she's kind of out of it for a bit yeah. so <laughs> my I was first like, turmoil yeah here. like that first two rounds i was like oh god she's gonna roll right through here and then like all of a sudden you like fell apart and i was like oh shit that's crazy <laughs> yeah. um so that like that was interesting so it's just it's interesting because you got to worry about what do i need to do to play and then like, figuring out what the other people are doing and right. kind of deal with uh qe's bullshit um <laughs> Yeah, the so it's interesting. Yeah. There's a billion mechanics going on, but they all do seem to kind of work together, even if you're not playing them. Um, there are something. Mm -hmm. uh, rules. Learning the game not as hard as I thought it would be. Yeah. Like, I kind of just didn't worry about what you guys were doing at first. Right. And figured out what I wanted to do. And then kind of as I understood that, then I could pay more attention to what you were doing. So I didn't think it was too difficult to pick up. Uh, BP. No, same, same. I yeah, and like it was funny because Kiwi, I think, felt like uh, when we got our boards, like one, he was like, "Okay, BP, sit down and read this." And so, like, I read it, and then he's like, then trying to go through all the things, and I'm like, "I've I've figured this out, dude. I know, like." Kind of like, you know, but I mean, then there's still there were still like questions like, "Can I do this and this?" And I mean, to a certain extent, yes, it was it was pretty straightforward once we got the pieces together um it, it did take me a while to figure out the strategy of my particular faction but i don't think that that has anything to do necessarily with with the rules or the teaching no it's just the strat the depth of it right yeah yeah so there are three different like little rule book things there is the Oof. learn to play booklet which has some like very uh not generic but like some like easier to digest type rules. Uh, and then they have what is called the, uh, what is this document called? The law of root. Yeah. And this is more like 
a traditional rule book, like you might think. Like, okay. you know, it's like number one, the golden rules, 1.1, 1. 1, rules conflict, 1.1.1, 1. 1. 1, precedence. So it kind of breaks it out in more of like what you might see in a war game uh, type rule book where okay. everything is very like regimented and, and done out. Okay. And then there's a third booklet, oh. which is a, uh, it is, it is a, a game, a, a four player game that they just play out each of the turns and they describe each of the turns. So yeah. it's like a tutorial, not, not necessarily a tutorial, but like an example game. Okay. So one of the things they, they said that you, the way you could teach it is, is you could have like, you know, Eric sits down as the Marquis de Cat. BP sits down as the Erie Dynasty. I sit down as the Woodland Alliance. And then somebody re- leading the group goes, okay, Eric, do this, 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 and this. Okay, now it's BP's turn. BP, do this, 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 and this. And it plays through all the mechanics for each of them. And it plays through like two or three rounds. And then everybody gets to see kind of how the game works. And then you reset to the beginning and then you play a game. Mm. So that's one of the ways they say you can learn to teach. So the reason why there's an asterisk on the win is because... The way it's worded on the 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 player mat for the Woodland Alliance for a revolt, it doesn't say anything about you can't do it if the base is already on the map. So with the revolt, you have three different clearings, the fox, the bunny, and the mouse. If that base is not built, then you can do a revolt as long as you have sympathy in one of those locations. And then you take the base off your map and you put it onto the big, the big map. The learn to play rule book that has like the sort of like more generic rules also doesn't say anything about you can't do it unless you if, if only if only it's if off the map. map. Yeah, that specific item is only in the law, law of root book underneath the uh, Woodland Alliance thing. Wow. So there's there's two different places where it doesn't say anything about that. And I just happened to catch it when I was looking at something else. I don't know how big an asterisk that is, though. Like, so, I mean, but, I get like but it what would I'm have saying changed. is, is like that's significant. It is significant. And I get that it would have changed a lot of dynamics of the game. But at the same point, like if you're I don't I, it the rule book, just from my perspective, then having all of these different sets of rules sounds pretty complicated and challenging and if you're going through just the hey here's your your easier part like you're gonna follow that like i don't know that you would i i don't know i just think i, I it seems odd that it would be in two places and not one when it has such a significant impact on the play does that make sense yeah because it because it also says you may revolt any number of times and then spread sympathy any number of times is what it says for bird song for revolt and spread sympathy so when you read that it doesn't say anything about if the base is there you can't do it yeah so it makes it sound like i can revolt whenever any, yeah. and however i want well, i think this is the problem with a game with this kind of rules is that you try to do the simplified version, but obviously every rule can have a huge impact on the game. So like if you simplify or try to cut out some in a quick guide or something, like you're inevitably going to skip something that people are going to miss. that's going to impact the game. Yeah, because clearly they probably put a lot of work into balancing things. And I, I feel like they tried to balance the Woodland Alliance by saying, okay, yeah, you can do all these things, but you only get 10 warriors 
And the more officers you have, the less warriors you can put on the map. So like they definitely are not a, an attacky mm-hmm. faction. Right. Whereas I think like the Marquis de Cat and the Erie for sure with 25 and 20 warriors, mm-hmm. like you can attack. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess we'll just go into player interaction then. Like the, obviously it's you're fighting each other and controlling territory and stuff like that. Um, I wasn't super engaged with what you guys were doing though. Like I kind of just paid attention on my turn. So I was kind of surprised with how not interactive I felt playing it. Yeah, I don't know. How'd you, how'd you feel about that? Absolutely the same thing. Like I got up a lot of times. It was talking to the dog, taking care of the animals. Um, I pretty much felt like I didn't have to because Kiwi went after me. So I didn't feel like I had to worry when it was his turn. Like I did kind of like, especially when at the beginning, like when you and I were so close, Eric, like I was like, okay, I need to see where he's going to go. I don't want him to take over the spots I just took over. Um, but by and large, no, I I was I was floored when I looked up at one point and saw Kiwi was so close to the end. I was like, what just happened? And you were laughing, but it was, again, the same thing. Like, I, I was surprised that in an area kind of majority rule where I feel like you're you're it's set up to be direct conflict, like unless you were attacking or trying to move into somebody's territory, you really weren't paying that much attention. Like I think Kiwi was trying to get me to plan my, my moves out a whole bunch, but by and large, it was like when it was my turn, then I like turned back on. And so that was, I think you're right. It, it, it seems like it should be much more interactive than it was. Yeah. Like I tried to do more planning, but then there was the round where Kiwi like put in sympathy, revolted, wiped out my stuff. Built Which a base, I couldn't have done. Built, no, you could have because it was the Fox base one. Um, uh, built an army and then moved in armies. And I was like, you did all of that in one turn and you just completely changed like the entire game. So like, I'm not going to bother planning because I'm just going to wait to see uh, whatever bullshit you do in the round. Yeah. <laughs> well, how how'd you feel? Cute? I mean, obviously you're running the game. It's a little different, but. Uh, well, I mean, you guys talked about how you kind of got it and you knew what you were supposed to do with your factions and how your factions played. At one point while Eric was going through his turn, I stopped paying attention and I picked up my phone and played. Oh, you did. Yeah, like, I saw you uh, like playing played a, your played a, Yeah, played a, played a game. Yeah, Because uh, like I, I didn't I felt like I didn't have to pay attention as much because I felt like you and BP like had it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, unless we asked a question. Yeah, unless we had, you guys asked a question. Yeah. So like your options weren't too complicated on your turn so yeah yeah um that's interesting it's like probably the most rulesy complicated well one of the more rulesy complicated yeah. game was the one you could tune out on but i think it's because like the the rules are kind of siloed between everybody yeah, yeah 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 like i had a lot of frustrating moments and bp had a lot of frustrating moments with our groups like i was just losing territory and losing fights and things and being revolted and bp was the same thing and being overthrown by her own people <laughs> <laughs> but and like going through all my leaders, <laughs> it seemed like the Woodland Alliance. Like, I don't know that you suffered a setback the whole game. Yeah, he was steadily marching on. Well, and it's interesting if you Googled that they tend to win most of the time, too. Well, the reason they was especially in, I guess, in four player, the, the Vagabond adds a lot. Mm-hmm. But with this, the two of us basically have to team up on him, which is something mm-hmm. we try to avoid doing in these kinds of games because it feels unfair. But if you don't have, I guess, two people to deal with him, then he'll, then 
the Woodland Lions tend to win. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it, you know it says, "Hey, in a in a four player or a three player game, remove the vagabond." But then on, there's another page on the in the like learn to play rulebook where it has some suggestions on uh, like faction combinations, and it does suggest uh, it's the not the woodland, but yeah, the not the woodland, but the. Mm-hmm. the vagabond so you play the marquee the eerie and the vagabond and so you let the the marquee and the the eerie kind of fight each other and then the vagabond kind of plays the yeah, two totally off of each other game. and i yeah. felt yeah that felt like that would be a totally different game yeah i think so mm-hmm. too and then you have all the other if you do expansion factions you have other options there too. Right, yep, yeah. exactly. seems like just from a quick glance like it's almost kind of like a 2v, 2v1 kind of game with like two yeah. sort of not quite on the same side, still skirmishing a bit, but focused on keeping you or Woodland Alliance under control. Yeah. Because um, if you don't do that, then then there's no... It, it even specifically said the cat cannot deal with Woodland Alliance on their own, which is what I felt because I threw waves and waves of cat at you and you just slaughtered them. <laughs> <laughs> like I lost so many cats. There were a lot of dead cats at the feet yeah. of the mice today. Wow. Um, that was don't tell my cats yeah no. like it was so hard like he just took a spot and i was like I, I cannot take this from him i came in with an army of like i remember you said that yeah like five eight to or one. something that last, yeah it was eight yeah. for eight versus two and i lost yeah uh would you uh play it again bp no nah, i don't think so like even though i was really trying to figure i i feel like i figured it out at the end i just i don't know that there was enough to really draw me back into it um that I, it, again, cards are cute. Um, there seems to be some kind of f- fun mechanics there, but I don't. It's just not my. It's not my tea. Eric, yeah. Um, I mean, like I think I've, we mentioned before, well, people on a map games are not. We haven't found a lot that we really like, or if we do, they're kind of meh. Mm-hmm. Um, I put this in that meh category, like. It kind of reminds me of Game of Thrones that maybe if you add the expansions Ooh. and you have like a six player, it'd be a little more interesting. But like, I don't like feeling like we have to gang up on somebody. I also don't like just playing two hours of frustration. Like, mm-hmm. It's just it's just not that fun. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'd try it again with expansions in like a big group. Um, but I've also been saying that about Game of Thrones for like two years and we still haven't played it. So. Yeah. Okay, BP's point got, of question. Yeah, she's got her hand up. So we're getting ready, by the way, our listening audience. In the very near future, you will be having our year-end stats coming out because uh-huh. our statistician here, our data analytics manager, has been getting everything prepared. Our mechanics and the yes or no options, is that part of your feed? Uh, it's something I'm working on. Okay. That's in the database, though. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I was curious when Eric brought that up at the beginning that we tend not to like these types of games. So then I was curious, like, does the data support that? And that's your, well, we that's don't, your stuff. Technically, we don't tend to log the greater... What do, what do we even call that? Because it's not mechanics. It's more of like the genre of game, I guess. Mm. Right. Yeah. The genre we we don't typically okay. like that's not recorded because it, it very much depends on what's in Board Game Geek. And sometimes they can be like mm-hmm. very broad. Very, very broad. We yeah. should probably define if we added that, how at the end of the our section, how would we define this game? And then we could maybe mm. create yeah. our own genres or something to kind of help yeah, us. Yeah, we would just have to go back and decide. Like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so 
I wanted to go last and I specifically wanted to go last because I wanted to see what you guys would think. Um, I liked it, but I feel like this falls into the vein of games like um, Terraforming Mars, where I liked it a lot more than you guys did. Oh, but for different uh, reasons. Terraform Mars, I have a very distinct reason why I don't like that game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I would like to see like a game with the Marquis, the Eerie, and the Vagabond just to see if it's a mm. very different game. Um, I did pick my phone up and play at you know a game, a different game at mm-hmm. one point. Um, I think I might just get the app mm. and just Fair. play solo. I could Because see then I don't have to worry about player interaction. I can do whatever I want. Um, and I can just play the game because uh, there's no solo function like with the physical board game. That, that might be, like, yeah, that might be a good yeah. take on the game is that you, you could play it solo. Well, no, not just for know. him, but even like for me, like I, I might try it again. I just it's more it wasn't social enough. And like, like I said, maybe with expansions and like six players or something. But then it seems like it takes so long between turns. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that would be like the the negative of that style like if it had like a simultaneous section or something but it doesn't so it's sort of one of those tricky games like i want to like it more yes i I was about to i was thinking that too play it again yeah yeah i i I don't think i would say no if someone was like hey i'm gonna play root do you want to play i think i would say yes but i think i'll just get the app and i'll just play it solo yeah like, I just don't think it'd get to the table often, even if, like, you really did like yes. it. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Anyway, that's, uh, that's Root. Root. Tubers. Yams. So, if you root, have... Tubers. Yams. <laughs> root. Tubers. Yams. Okay, sorry. Okay. If you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, you can just send them our way. Um, email is firstturntabletop at gmail. We are still on the Twitters and Instagram at firstturncast and the podcasting camel uh, says as he is. Tubes. <laughs> yeah, That's he what is. He says. he says roots, tubers, yams. And then he says, Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. And then he jumps out into the bunny clearing and the bunnies all just scatter. And he's like, we look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. You know what? Uh, Mice and squirrels and stuff can be very helpful to the environment. And I think you should just allow us just some freedom of movement. Just just so you know that there are birds within the Erie dynasty that are sympathetic to our cause. Yeah. Consider it. Yeah, a it's annoying. He's little. annoying, isn't he? He just pops up in the middle of your shit.